Welcome everybody to the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, the best intro of the podcast ever where my wife makes fun of me every single time she hears it. Yeah, she does. But I'll keep doing it anyway because I'm so excited uh, to be here with our listeners for another episode across the table from my favorite uh, former youth pastor and now senior pastor that St. Francis has to offer. Wow, that's uh, I was just going to ask if you said you're excited to be here with our listeners and you didn't mention me and I was like wow that was no no you were in there I I was I I didn't know I was going to receive such a great introduction thank you for that I uh, I apologize for not listing you first it's it's okay it's not what you said it's how you said it so that's fair yeah uh Kyle I have a quick question for you today however before we do that True to Youth Pastor form, we need to thank our sponsors who make this show possible. Episode 103, brought to you by... Uh, Mars Incorporated. I was going to say Kit Kat. I know, but I think Break Mars... Break have a piece of that applesauce. I believe that... Mar- <laughs> Football cream. Football cream. I believe that the uh, Mars Inc. food company makes every single candy bar that we have on our table right now. Yeah, for good reason. They uh, They have good stuff. Yeah, Kit Kats, Twix, Reese's, and uh, I believe they make Snickers as well. Because we need to waste time before getting to the quick yes, question they do. of the day, uh, please rank these in order of your Oh, preference. come on. We have Kit Kat, Snickers, Twix, and Reese's. Let's start at the bottom. What's your least favorite of these four? Uh, it depends on the mood that I'm in. Okay. Unless I am in the mood for a tiny bit of substance. I'm going to say my least favorite is substance Snickers. or sustenance. Susten. You said substance, substance. which is <laughs> the greatest hybrid of all time. Uh, Snickers is the bottom. Unless I'm like actually wanting to fill some hunger. Mm-hmm. I'd totally. say Snickers is the bottom of the, of the four. Uh, then I'm going to go with Twix in third. Wow. Okay. This, I'm gonna, this, this is a tough ranking. I'm going to say it that. Is. I'm going to say Kit Kat two. And the uh, peanut butter cups are one. Okay, follow-up question. Yep. Of the Reese's variety, mm-hmm. they make a bunch of stuff now. Yeah. What's, what's on the top? Uh, There's only one correct answer. It's uh, it's the egg. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we could just at least get that out. The Reese's egg is the king of yeah. all Reese's. It's we did so not rehearse that. Good. I'm no, so we glad. didn't. I'm so glad we're <laughs> no, on the we same didn't. page. That was phenomenal. That was awesome. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, enough of the pre-quick question, Derek. What's the quick question? What is the craziest sermon illustration you have ever delivered? So this gonna, this quick first. question was Derek's idea, and I love it because I have a great answer that I just actually used a few really? weeks ago. Okay. Uh, and so the preface, this is the second time I've used this illustration, uh, but I used it like five years apart, so I'm pretty sure none of my students remember it. Uh, or they just weren't even in the room. But uh, so, and, and I've used it twice in completely different contexts. Like it wasn't even the same sermon. But what I've done is I'll take like a large bowl, think like big enough for like a salad for many people, mm-hmm. uh, fill it like 90% full with water. And then it doesn't matter what kind of bowl. Uh, then you need to get a metal bowl uh, that is smaller. Uh, I'd say maybe half a gallon. Oh, you're not looking for anything too big. Uh, and, and put that on top floating in the water. And then you take, uh, rubbing alcohol 
pour that into the smaller bowl. Oh boy. And light it on fire. Uh-huh. And you get a you you basically get a fire illustration without you know setting the smoke alarms off uh-huh. because you're burning a bunch of wood. Uh-huh. Um and then the the second bowl of the water is just kind of there to help cool things down a uh-huh. little bit. Uh, and then I usually have a damp rag in the vicinity as well to the, to help put the fire out when I'm done with it. But uh, I've I've used it a couple times now, and and it's just it's a cool illustration, uh, just to be able to uh, you know use like like we were talking about uh, we were going through a sermon series with our youth about uh, Jesus's I am statements. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were talking about uh, his statement of the light of the world, I am the light of the world. Uh, and so we were, you know, I was kind of using this as, uh, you know, brought all the lights down. And, and uh, actually, we were going to bring all the lights down and my light people missed my cue. So it was less dramatic ah. than I wanted it to be. But uh, either way, like you could still like you bring all lights down, just have this. And, and it was a cool illustration. But the other dramatic thing I'll do just because I'm dramatic and I like to is uh, I will take the rubbing alcohol and take it out of the bottle it comes in and put it into one or two water bottles, just like normal plastic water bottles. And so it looks like I'm just pouring water into a bowl and then I light it on fire and everybody's like, what? Yeah. Uh, And I mean, I'm lighting something on fire, so they're still pretty amazed even if you don't do that. But uh, yeah, it's a fun one. I'm going to steal, I'm going to share one I've never done, but I think it's one of the greatest illustrations of all time. I want to see it from you in the next three months. uh, Okay. I could work, I could work that in. (laughs) Maybe Easter Sunday I'll do this. (laughs) As you just gag yourself with a Kit Kat. That was amazing. I started laughing. I know. I'm I'm glad I could. I'm I'm on fire today. Much like your illustration. Hey. Okay. So the greatest, craziest demonstration I've ever heard was from RDYD, District Youth Director within our domination. His name is Kirby. I give him full credit for this. Whether I told him to him, I have no idea, but I'm giving it to him anyway. He had a pan of brownies on stage with him. And he said, does anybody want some brownies? Well, naturally... With junior oh, high every boy, hand's yeah. going up. Junior high boy comes up on stage. He cuts him, you know, a, a huge brownie. Asks him if he wants. Maybe he doesn't ask ice cream. I don't know. But regardless, he gets like a bit. I know I would like scoop a thing of ice cream on there, mm-hmm. hand it to the kid, and uh, like you know, allegedly the kid's just like pumped to be getting this brownie. Well, just before he says, lets him eat this, he goes. Before you eat this, though, I just need you to know I have a little bit of my dog's poop that I threw into the batter prior to making this. And everyone's like, what? Like, like he goes, no, it's not a big deal. It's just like, it's just a little, little piece of turd. Like, mm-hmm. like, like there's a whole bunch of other brownie here. It's just, it's just one little piece in and, there. And, you know, it's probably not in the chunk that you got. It, right. And, you know, all these different things yeah. that he, he never went to. And, of course, like, the kid's like... No, I'm not eating poop if the, if it was in the batter. And the premise of the message was like, you can say it's just a little bit of sin, but mm-hmm. sin to sin. Like mm-hmm. sin corrupts us until Jesus comes and cleans us. And I was like, that is amazing. That's phenomenal. And a little disgusting as well. Well, when, it wouldn't be a youth ministry analogy no. if it wasn't a little bit frightening 
or disgusting. But my favorite one I've ever done was um, <laughs> I was talking also about uh, sin, ironically. And it was, I can't remember what the actual text was. I should go back and look. But the gist of it was so many times we try to patch up our sin by ourselves, but we just can't. And we have all kinds of sin. It's not just like, oh, I watch pornography. There's also, you have pride, you have lust, you have anger, you have these different things. And so I had a bucket that I like, like a Menards bucket that I filled up with water. And it, but, as I went through all these different sins, I had a drill. I just started drilling holes in the bucket until naturally water started going everywhere. <laughs> like literally, I had tarps all over the stage. It was going everywhere. And I talked about how so many times we try to plug the holes. And so I started to like, you know, grapple around trying to yeah, are you kidding cover me? it Have up. Have you not seen the Flex Seal commercials? Yeah. That's what this was made for. <laughs> it would have been a wrench in my illustration. But... I talked about then, so then, you know, I tried to cover them up, but it still leaked out, you know, all these different things. But then I and, and, and inevitably ended up putting this bucket inside of a larger bucket and talked about how, like, through Christ we're a new creation. You know, it's not about fixing the holes, it's about mm-hmm. giving you something entirely new. Uh, and it was well-received, but it was an absolute mess because there was water, I mean, like, literally everywhere. But okay. it was awesome. So... We did not rehearse this, but I'm going to take your analogy and I'm going to tweak it a little, little bit because this is coming to my mind. And if somebody wants to use this or one of us wants to use this, you're cool. welcome. Send right. us Kit Kats. So we've, we got this, we got this bucket. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. We got a bucket. I love the idea like, Hey, we're going to pour water into this. We're drilling holes. Uh, maybe if you want to like have a have it be a smaller bucket and then have like a bin that the water's falling into, yep. that feels maybe like a good idea. You could do this outside too. Have like a hose, you know, going into the bucket uh-huh. so that it's always going in, but it's always dripping out because you're drilling holes into the bucket, right? Then when you start to flip the analogy, stop turn the hose off or you know stop putting water in it, so eventually all the water drains out. Yep. Then you start talking about Jesus, Uh and I don't know why I'm on this fire with no lights kick, but then (laughs) you take a candle, put it in the bucket, and light it, turn all the lights off, but now the light of the candle is shining through all the holes in the bucket. Well done. Boom. That is a very lengthy illustration. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's going to run throughout your entire message, but that's the beauty of the illustration. I I think we're on to something here. I was also thinking when you're going with like the holes, like I'm the vine, you are the branches. That was literally the sermon that I preached last night. Well done. Man, we are just, we are in tune. Contrary to our previous goodbye, (laughs) we are in tune. Yeah, my wife, Derek and I, if you listen to episode 102, we were literally talking about how, like, we, that was probably our worst synchronized goodbye in a hundred episodes. Shout out to Nate and Sarah for jinxing us because they talked about how synchronized we were. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's been. I would say that you should go back and listen to them when they were on episode, I think it was 21 or 23, uh, How Not to Be a Worship Leader. But now we hate them. Uh, but now we don't like them anymore, yeah. so don't go listen to that. Uh, anyways, uh, those are some great sermon illustrations. Uh, we would highly encourage you, uh, we're on Instagram, at not underscore YP. Uh, send us a message of some of your favorite illustrations. So maybe, we can steal them. Maybe, well, we will definitely steal them because that's what we do as youth pastors is we steal each other's material. Uh, but maybe we'll have to like do a... Uh, 
you know, listener ideas episode or something like that. What a great segue of, of stealing, stealing other people's yeah. ideas. Yeah, because we're going to talk about that. Yeah, that was point pretty good. Toy here. Uh, point Tui. Point I'm sorry, two. what? <laughs> <laughs> point Tui. Uh, wow, it is that time of the day. What okay. is your problem? <laughs> A few episodes back, we mentioned this quote. I believe you said it, Kyle, and I believe yep, we said I it, remember it. Uh, at the bridge and we were recording this. But you said something. Oh, I thought to, it was in episode 100, but uh, no, it I could be wrong. It was before then. But I, I remember vividly you said, if I ever run out of things to preach about, I should just stop being a pastor, which there's a lot of merit to that. Like if you don't have anything to preach about, odds are maybe you're not being in tune. Like again, all the, I'm not going to go out on a limb here and, and try and make someone feel bad or, or feel shameful because the idea, I will. The idea is <laughs> there's always something to preach about because the word is alive and active. And there's always something, whether you feel passionate or compelled to do it, uh, there's there will forever be something for you to preach about if you are anchored in the word. Now, to kind of just make someone out there hopefully not feel as guilty. There are seasons in which sermon preparation, sermon writing, whatever you call it, is just harder than it is in other seasons. Maybe that's because you just can't find the inspiration you once did. Maybe it's because you're just so exhausted that you aren't feeling uh, uber communicative. Whatever that looks like, something a pastor friend of mine said as I transitioned into a, a lead pastor was something I didn't appreciate at the time, but it's something that I really do believe has been a, an encouragement and a challenge to me. And he said this, Sunday comes whether you like it or not. And the gist of it was as a lead pastor, Sunday's always coming, you know? And so you always need to be ready for, for, to preach that message. And I'm going to be honest with you. I first heard this and I was like, okay, like Wednesday comes every single week and that's no big deal. <laughs> Friday comes every week. Yeah, like, like, Monday what, comes every week. What, what What's the gist of it? But in being in this for two years now, there have been moments in which I feel like I have by this point dumped the spiritual bucket I have of every single conceivable thought I had about God has been shared with my congregation. And now I'm sitting here going on Tuesday, I got to go again. Like, like, what is it, God, that you want to share? And there's a lot of that we're going to talk about, but there have been moments where it's like, literally like, Jesus, tell me what you want me to preach about because I am, I am fresh out of ideas. I'm fresh out of maybe revelations you've given me. What is it that you have? And you kind of get into these slumps where it's like, we still preach. We, God still moves. Like, I'll tell you, I've been in these seasons and we still have awesome things that come out of it. But there are seasons in which sermon preparation takes seven hours from start to finish. It's smooth. It's easy. It's natural. It's organic. And then there's moments where it's like, this one's a grind. Like I can't find the right words. I can't find the right ideas. I can't find the right illustration, whatever it is. So how do you, how do you kind of get out of that slump? If that's been your, your prerogative or, or your situation where it's like, I am having multiple weeks where I'm just struggling on Monday or Tuesday or, or whatever your writing day is. We're going to try and give you some tips and encouragements to help you get out of this slump. Yeah. And so before we dive into our uh, 
I believe we have uh, eight tips, <laughs> and uh, they come That's in all. three easy payments of nineteen ninety five. Uh, <laughs> I have so many rabbit trails that are coming to my head, so I'm going to temper most of them. Wow. But proud of you. I, I just want to give our listeners a peek behind the curtain uh, of our you know process because common contrary to popular opinion, we do from time to time Planet prep. Ahead. Yeah. Uh, and so Derek started this uh, show doc for us, and I came in and, and and added a couple things here and there. Surprisingly, didn't erase anything. I did not erase anything, but I have not had the opportunity to uh, make fun of you yet because here's the deal, people. Derek has two different fonts in this document, hey. and it's driving me insane. And I need to know how that happened. It's, it's simple. Do you want to know why? You'll see that the font changes after the scripture reference here on point two. You copy and pasted scripture in, and then it changed the font sure after that? Sure did. Yep, I see it now. So what we're going to do is we're just going to select all that and change it all so that it's the same. Wow, I feel so much better. Thank you Jeez. for Jeez, look, and it now fits on one page, too, because they were also two different font sizes. Here's what Kyle needs, point number one. No, take okay. a day off. No, I'm not done. Cause he also, you know how you can like in like a Word document or we are in Google Sheets or uh yeah, oh, I know where this Google, is Google uh, Docs, but same <laughs> thing, right? You can create like numbered lists, auto numbered lists. No, no, Derek is working with an outline format of like you know the filled in circle, and then you tab over to the empty circle and yep. the filled in square, and then he added numbers sure did. to each of these bullet points. Uh-huh. So it's a bulleted list that then also has numbers. Man, you're killing me right now. Do you know this why I did that? Because my <laughs> OCD is not having a good day. No. No, you're you're welcome. Oh, and now that no. I know this drives you nuts, I'm all the more inspired to continue this this process going forward. So Thanks for the thanks yeah. For the I, I like I said I have like twelve more rabbit trails that I'd love to share, and we don't have time. So no, we don't. So How th- to get th- out of a slump in eight easy steps, Derek? Number one is low hanging fruit, but you gotta take a day off. Okay, it's hard to be organized. It's hard to be succinct. It's hard to have a clear frame of mind when you are just stuck in this super strenuous, super crazy rhythm of. Working, 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 working. Uh, To me, it kind of goes out to, there's an old adage of, uh, have you heard the sharpening the axe metaphor, okay, where you need to take time. I think we talked about that because we couldn't figure out where it actually came from. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Or another refill the sponge is another one I have. Like if you are in ministry and, and loving people, you're constantly giving of yourself. You're, you're preaching, you're serving, you're loving, you're doing all these different things. That sponge of yours is constantly getting squeezed out and you're loving on people. You need to have time to refill that sponge. And so I know it's low hanging fruit. I know it, it, it seems simplistic, but it, sometimes it is that simple. If you're in a slump, I know it goes against everything. Cause to me, what I've found Kyle is sometimes when I'm in a slump, it's because I've got too much to do and not enough time to do it. So I'm under the gun. I'm under pressure. And so to take time off feels impossible, but sometimes that's the very thing you need to become more efficient and more succinct is trusting God with your schedule, trusting that it's all going to work itself out and taking a day off for not to get ahead of ministry, 
not to do with this, that, and the other thing. Take a day off to actually and truly recharge makes a huge difference in your sermon prep. Yeah, and I also think that even if the purpose of your day off is not to work, uh, you know, having that time to just have, like, you'll have other life experiences in that 24-hour period, uh, and that's going to help, you know, maybe it sparks something in you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I heard somebody wiser than me once say that if you work with your head, you should Sabbath with your hands. If you work with your hands, you should Sabbath with your head. Mm -hmm. And so if you are a pastor, a lot of what you're doing is in your head. It's, It's studying, it's writing. So take a day off and go chop some wood, mow your lawn, rake leaves, shovel the driveway, whatever. Like, yeah. do something with your hands. It's good. And, uh, you know, just mentally, it'll, Turn your brain it'll off. give you a little bit. You, I, at the very least, you're using a different part of your brain, mm-hmm. if not turning it off completely. Yeah, I love that, dude. Second one is this. Uh, this one was very, very... Uh, one of those just wisdom bombs that kind of dropped on me. Uh, this this happened in my office about three or four months ago. Shout out to Doug Graham, the great friend of the great show. Great friend of the show, Doug Graham, professor at all at, at our alma mater. That's a mouthful. Uh, he's also a assistant to superintendant. The, he's assistant he's, to the superintendent. Yeah, he's he's he wears a lot of hats. <laughs> he's he's an absolute genius, but. He was in my office and we were kind of just talking about life and ministry. And he said this, you need to quit trying to be original. And I was like, that's one of the most profound things I've heard in a long time. Because here, here was kind of the, the context, context. I cannot speak today. Holy buckets. The context of the situation. Too many pastors are trying to just nail that one-liner, mind-blowing bomb of wisdom that they'll just kind of start trying to get too creative with their alliterations and try to get too cute and try to be too quotable. That They're not really not even saying anything at all, but they want to stick out. They want their congregation. They want their followers to go, man, he's wise. We should follow him. But where Doug Graham says, he goes, you don't have to be original because you're not preaching an original message. You're preaching the gospel. The gospel is plenty original in it, in and of itself. And I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says. This is Paul when he says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. You cannot argue with me. Paul was probably one of the greatest pastors of all time outside of Jesus. Like, I mean, he pastored well. He ran his race well. He did things great. And he says it here plainly. I didn't do it by being quotable or tweetable. I did it by just sharing to you plainly the testimony about God. And I love this concept of you might not need to try so hard to be so original. Just preach the word. Just do the things that the word speaks about. And let the word speak for itself because you don't have to spice it up for it to be impactful. Yeah, I have a personal theory. Uh, if you listen to our last episode, we were talking a lot about um, church size. Mm-hmm. And I have a personal theory that if your church, we'll, we'll put this in the context of senior pastors. If your church is under 500 people, the quality of your sermons will go up 
uh, the less time you put into uh, like sermon series graphics. Ah, I see what you're saying. That's that's my theory because I think that a lot of pastors along the same lines, right? It's it's got to be catchy. It's got to be alliterative. Do you think that's a word? I don't know. Uh, but well, you know what I mean. I do. Uh, it's got to be alliterative. Uh, it sounds fun if it's not a word. Uh, it, it has to look good. It's got to be ready, curated and ready for social media. Uh, you know, got to have that great graphic for the for the screens. And so much time and pressure gets put on trying to make sure that stuff is good. And then when those creative, well, you get a creative block and you're like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what color to make this next graphic. Well, don't make it. Mm-hmm. Like, settle down, man. Like, yeah. just I, I, I think it's really important for, uh, for us to remember. I love what you were saying with with Doug Graham. Like, we are the gospel is an original to us, so our sermons don't have to be, you know, incredibly innovative and original. Yeah. Uh, they just need to be contextual. And I and I like that. Um, number three, uh, how to get out of a slump. Uh, kind of along the same lines. Open up your Bible. Uh, if you are, and, and this is, I'm going to acknowledge that this is, you know, some of this stuff. Like, okay, cool. Like, take a day off. Uh, you know, quit being original. That sounds great. But I need a sermon this week. Mm-hmm. And so, if you are actively in that slump, open up Mark. Preach one chapter a week. We got the next four months covered, baby. Yep. Let's go. Uh, like, I think there's a lot of pastors out there that have uh, not placed enough emphasis on literally just preaching the word. And, and I think that your congregation will get a lot out of it. And so whether that is something you need to do more often or it's just, hey, I need, I need a stopgap until I can get out of this slump, uh, like just opening up the word. Uh, you know, a gospel is is great to just go chapter by chapter yep. in, uh, and and you can that that can provide you with or or hey, we're gonna take five weeks, go through James. We're gonna take um, you know, Galatians isn't a very good book to go chapter by chapter, but uh, Ephesians go chapter mm-hmm. by chapter six weeks. Uh, you know, whatever it is, it it'll it'll give you a dedicated, hey, I've got a series now for the next month or two or four, if you're going through Mark. Uh, and and that takes some of the, I think it takes some of the pressure off. Totally. Yeah. And it, it accomplishes what you're setting out to do. I'm going out on a limb here, but I don't think it's a very crazy limb Seems here. Seems like a pretty sturdy limb. Yeah, I would say so. Like you're trying to not just prepare a production. You're trying to create an atmosphere or an environment where people grow in their faith. And so by preaching the word directly, hearing them or hearing it being preached, they're naturally going to go back and read it. And that literacy is going to go up along with it too. So I I love that concept. And it kind of goes back to not being original. Like the Bible is not original. So just preach it with conviction. Point number four, how do you get out of a slump? It kind of, this is one of the more metaphorical ones, maybe not right in this moment right now, but it helps nonetheless. Less production, more honesty. And what I mean by that is I think so many times we get in this habit of we, 
I don't know how you feel about this, but it's kind of one of those things. Sometimes I feel more apt to preach something after I'm on the back end of this lesson. So let's say God's taking me through a lesson on what it means to be humble, what it means to to not be in the comparison trap. We tend to preach messages when we're on the conclusion of that lesson. And then we kind of instill it into the students or the people following us. But I have found some of my most impactful, best received messages in youth and in adults have been when I have just showcased what I am currently walking through with vulnerability, with rawness, and with authenticity, and sharing how God's meeting me actively in that moment. Because then all of a sudden, now that's real. Now that is no longer manicured. That's no longer curated. That is, this is what I am walking through. This is the rawness of the emotion, the rawness of the the moment. And here's what God is personally doing to meet me in the situation. And here's how he's encouraging me. Because now what you're doing is every single person who has walked through that or is currently walking through that now goes, oh, okay. So this isn't just good, good idea. This is, this is real life. This is, this is truly so helpful. And, uh, I'm going to go back to another thing that Paul preached about is follow me. What? As I follow Christ, you know, he basically emulated that I'm going to chase after God with all of my heart. And if you chase, if you follow me, you're going to, you're going to kind of be implored to do the exact same thing. I've said this before in the podcast. I've said it to my kids. I've, I've said it to my staff. So much of what people learn is caught and not taught. You know, like people will catch you going after God in spite of your circumstances far more. They'll, they'll receive it far better than if you were to just say, here's how you do it. You know, and so when they see you going first and going before and doing all these different things, they naturally will try and follow suit. So you're saying just to kind of summer up, summer up, man, I am on a roll. We both last are. couple episodes uh, to summarize that, like, because you started off by saying, a lot of times we, uh, a lot of times we preach coming off the lesson from God, and and you're encouraging maybe to preach in the middle of the totally. lesson from God. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, number five. So number four, less production, more honesty. Tip number five: uh, work ahead a little bit. Uh, take take the opportunity to, uh, like like if you have prolonged urgency. I think that can lead to slumps. I can think. I think that can lead to burnout. Uh, if when you're if constantly you are, going, I need to yeah, get this I, done. I gotta get this done. It, it's the urgent and important matrix, which I think we talked about in another episode. Where yep. like we, I need to plan ahead a little bit more uh, because that's important. It's not urgent to plan ahead four months from now, mm-hmm. uh, but it is important so that when that comes, you're not stressed about what am I going to preach? You can dive into a more, okay, what am I going to preach? Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. Uh, you know, have a if you're a youth pastor, take a take a Wednesday night off where you're not preaching. Have somebody else uh, have have youth leaders that you are training that they can preach. Uh, bring in a missionary or or a guest speaker from outside of your youth ministry. Maybe your senior pastor would be willing to come in and preach uh, on a Wednesday night. Uh, find somebody else where where you can do that. Uh, and then that'll allow you an extra week to to plan ahead a little bit. One of the things, and I think I, I tried to look back on this. I think it was episode eighty 
where we talked about this in a little bit more in length. But what I do is I take our summers because I preach very little over the summer with uh, just for a number of different reasons. And so I'll take our summers to plan out the sermon series that we will do for the next school year. And and it's a loose process. Like I, I value the working of the Holy spirit. I value, uh, you know, in the moment, Hey, I want to pivot and do this instead. Uh, you know, there was one sermon series, I think it was last school year. We were going to do a nine week sermon series going through the 10 commandments. Don't ask. Uh, (laughs) there, there were two commandments we were going to combine, but it ended up being a two week series. The original plan was nine weeks and ended up being two. Mm-hmm. And like we pit, some of it was, uh, there was a, there was a day we got snowed out and we didn't have youth. Uh, and some of it was, I wanted to pivot and add in an extra series going through mm-hmm. some Psalms. Nice. And so instead of a nine week series, we shortened it so that we could add in that other series that happened like two months out, not the six months that I was planning the whole thing. And I'll add, you know, guest speaker weeks in there. I'll add like, hey, I'm just going to do a standalone sermon this week. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to leave an open week in order to do that. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that that, that is good. Uh, but one of the things that I have found works really well for me is I I don't have to stress about what I'm preaching on the entire year. Right. Because there's there are plenty of one-off sermons that come to my mind. And then when those weeks come along, I, I pray and I pick the one that I feel like God has for our students that week, and I chase after it. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, I've got sermon series locked and loaded and ready to roll. Yep. Uh, and I can, over the summer, I'm not preaching. So I can spend more of my time thinking about sermon series as a whole, what fits, what goes together. Uh, and so I, I think working ahead can really, really help over the long run. It also shows you and kind of allows you to plan where you might be in a moment where you know for a fact time's going to be limited. You know, for mm-hmm. example, uh, we're recording this in February. I'm going to become a track coach in the, in the high school program here within the next month and a half. And I know for a fact there's one week in which I have three meets, you know, th- throughout the week. And three nights where you're going from four to nine and you got to be up at the school at two, it really shortens, not just like your time in the office, but when you're going that hard, naturally, when you are in the office, your brain's not as sharp as it would be had you not had those things. So guess what? I know that's coming up. So guess who's coming in during that Sunday that I have three track meets, one of our missionaries. It's a very strategic partnership where I know I'm going to be up against the gun. I also know there's going to be limited time for me to pour my heart and soul into it. It's just, it's one of those things where I know that it's going to be tough for me to carve out that time that I need. So I'm going to work ahead and and kind of schedule that in in there in place of that. Love that idea. So uh, the sixth one is this. This sounds so cliche, but it is so true. If you're in a slump, man, you got to start praying. And when I, what I mean by that is over and over again, you throughout scripture, you see that prayer truly does usher in the presence of God in a powerful way. And I'm not naive enough to think that sometimes the reason you're in a slump is just schedule and, and, and time management and all those different things, natural human fleshly things. However, I also believe and know that there are moments in which your slump is spiritual warfare. Like the enemy is trying to discourage you and dissuade you from preaching what he's put on your heart. And the way he's coming at you is through that spiritual warfare, that those lies that you're not doing good enough. Your sermons are not deep enough, whatever it is. 
it's spiritual in nature. And you need to have an army around you that prays. Like to this day, I can tell you right now, it happened to me last week. I have my prayer warriors that have I've opened up to about this struggle. And then like I'll periodically say, hey, will you pray for me today? I'm going into sermon prep. I know I just need the Lord's truth. I know I need his clarity and his peace. Would you lift me up today? And it's incredible the difference it makes in that very moment. And so, like I said, I'm not here to say the devil's to blame for everything, but I am also a firm believer that spiritual warfare comes in the line of sermon slump sometimes. And the way out of that is not by working harder as much as it's about praying your way through that and letting the Lord speak to you in that moment. Yeah, and I I think there are several other spiritual disciplines that would fall under that uh, bucket. Just, hey, make sure that you're not neglecting any of these in order to, you know, try to, I got to spend five hours today trying to come up with a sermon. Like, make sure that all of your buckets are filled. Mm-hmm. Um, seventh tip uh, that we're going to talk about here would be find a new resource uh, you know, if, if you are, if you're feeling like you're in a slump, I think sometimes repetition does that. And so try to break out of that by, you know, opening up a new book, finding a new resource. If you go back to episode 79 of our podcast, we talked about, uh, starting a Bible study, but there were several great resources we talked about where like the Bible project, uh, you know, as an example, you know, maybe, they've got a video that, that sparks something or, uh, you know, you are sermon prepping and you just feel like you're in a rut, like go find something, uh, you know, from, from a resource that can help, uh, you know, maybe open up some, some new windows, uh, that, that you weren't seeing before in a text, uh, even, even reaching out to some other pastor, you know, friends that, you know, like, Hey, what are you, what have you been preaching recently? Mm-hmm. What are some of the sermon series that, that you've done recently? Uh, and, and maybe one of them strikes a chord with, with your heart for your congregation. Like, oh my gosh, that would be really, really good mm-hmm. for our congregation right now. Um, don't be afraid. Like we, we, I feel like it's kind of the theme of this episode, like originality out the window. Yeah. Uh, this, this is not about coming up with brand new content. We're all plagiarizing each other and we all know it and we're all okay with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, to some extent. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think off the exact message, but right. But, but sharing resources like that, I think that that's a great idea. It, it, it totally is. And if you think we're wrong, I'd encourage you to read the gospels because <laughs> they kind of did. I mean, Mark quite literally, he wasn't there. John Mark was not one of the 12. His gospel is 100% hearsay, you know, and what, what he gathered from other people. And so it, it is it is truly that. And Kyle, I love what you just said because it kind of, it naturally leads into point number eight, which is what I call the overflow ministry model. And to me, that comes from, we have said this, I can't tell you how many times, but it, it is so true even in this your ministry ought to be the overflow of what God's speaking to you. So there have been times where I've realized I'm in a slump. Why am I in a slump? Is it because I've been preaching a lot? Yes. Is it because I maybe should work a more ahead? Yes. But it's also because I haven't had the ability, I haven't created the space for God to minister to me for me. You know, like I, I, it is crazy how you can slip into that mindset of like, 
you're reading your Bible for you, you're studying for you, and all of a sudden you're you're going, oh, this would be a really good sermon. All of a sudden now you're 20 minutes down sermon ministry related stuff, and it's like, oh, shoot, like this was for me. And so what I've started doing is I I rarely drive around with music now. Like I almost always, I, I've mentioned this before too, I have a 25-minute commute from my house to the church each way. So I got 50 minutes in the car each day. That's about the length of a sermon or a message or a leadership podcast or something. So I have two different churches, two different pastors that I love listening to, and I will listen to their sermons with no intent other than the fact that like, I want to have someone preach to me. Mm -hmm. This is not for me to steal. This is not for me to borrow. I want... God to use somebody else to speak to me in the same way that I'm speaking to my congregation. And there's a lot of health to that. So you need to create time and space for you to hear from the Lord for yourself. And one of the ways that you do that is by listening to other pastors. And guess what's going to happen? You're naturally going to be inspired or you're going to be sparked by something they talked about. Like it's going to happen. And that's a good thing that the Holy Spirit's using other people to, to, preach. Like I love what the word says where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am with them. Like the Lord speaks through community. He speaks through people. And so don't, don't feel like it's not acceptable. It's actually encouraged to listen to other pastors and communicators and see what it is they're preaching about and be filled up for yourself. And that will naturally lend itself to you being a better pastor yourself. Yeah, there's some phenomenal pastors out there. No shortage at all. No. And they've got plenty of content out there on uh, on social media, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, go back and listen to all our content. It's certainly not on the same level, but... But it's uh, content. <laughs> hopefully we're here to help. It, it fills it fills blank noise, uh, or fills, fills dead air. That's for sure. Um, a couple things on that. First of all, just to clarify... Uh, were you insinuating that a one-way 25-minute drive is the length of a sermon or the two-way 50-minute drive is That's the length correct. of a sermon? Yeah. That wasn't a yes or no question. The second. The second one? Yeah. You, you're listening to, you're giving 50-minute sermons, man. I don't know if I can keep up with you. Oh, heck no. No, I'm just saying I got kids. So it's 25 minutes of drive time, but it's listening to five minutes. And then you have to stop and go, sure. dad, dad, you yep. know, and then all of a sudden and your mind drifts. Cause I don't know how you are with podcasts, but when I'm driving, my mind naturally wanders. Oh, so when I'm driving, listening to a podcast, I'm taking notes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I'm very attentive. Well Writing done. everything down. <laughs> uh, Got a got a notebook right next to me. No, for our, all my thoughts. our listeners are very comfortable <laughs> just spamming the thirty second forward for yeah, our podcast. For sure, I'm very comfortable spamming the fifteen seconds backwards mm-hmm. because I realize I haven't been paying attention for the last three and a half minutes. Yeah, I do that from time to time. Uh, the other thing I was going to point out, uh, going back, if I am allowed to, to uh, point seven uh, when we, you were talking about uh, Mark effectively being. Uh, hearsay. Yeah. Not only do we have hearsay represented there, but it's widely believed among scholars that Mark wrote his gospel first and Luke and Matthew took like had Mark's gospel there when they were writing their (laughs) own. So we've got both hearsay and plagiarism Uh well represented uh, in the gospels. Just wanted to point that out. So what you're telling me is I can take your notes from this last Wednesday 
beef them up and preach on Sunday morning. Well, it wouldn't be hard to beef them up. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they <laughs> needed beef. But uh, yeah, sure, go ahead. Uh, I, I mean, we would still encourage you uh, if you are, like, say you're going to share a quote from somebody, uh, going to share an idea or a thought from somebody, we would highly encourage giving at least audible uh Credit, credit? Yeah. to that person. Uh, just in my sermon last night, I quoted Charles Spurgeon and and said, like, you know, Charles Spurgeon was was a theologian, uh, and he said this. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like one of the biblical commentaries that I will use a lot when I'm writing my sermons is uh, called Enduring Word. David Guzik, uh, by, baby, by good friend of the show, David Guzik, great friend of the show. I don't often quote him. Same. Uh, you know, in my sermon, but I will from time to time, uh, or I'll just mention his name as like, yeah, like biblical commentator David David Guzik said this. Uh, but most people, if you've listened to me preach enough times, you know that I'm reading like like that's one of the materials that I study. Sometimes yeah. I'll quote it, but a lot of times it just it runs throughout the sermon yeah. along with a couple other resources that I'm usually looking at, and so that's where. Uh, you know, if it's if it's that regular of a resource and you're not always directly quoting it, but it's more ideas and and thoughts, then uh, you know, quote away or yep. or or use use that resource to your heart's content. But uh, if you can, we we are friends of turnitin.com. Uh, giving giving credit where credit is due. Remember turnitin.com. I do remember turnitin.com. Great. Friend we were of the just show. Uh, speaking of throwbacks. My youth leaders and I were just talking last night about uh, the old projectors with the transparency the overhead paper. projectors. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we were thinking we needed to like have a throwback youth night and use those just because the old church basement album. That's their that's their album cover is a overhead projector. You're right. It mm-hmm. is. Look at that, man. That's uh, that's a classic. We, uh, I, I can't imagine that like, you'd have to have like one, like the verse, verse one on one page, verse two on one page, verse three on, you know, chorus bridge. Cause uh, worship leader, man, you never know what they're going to go to. No. Uh, it's not like him where it's just when one, go, two, three, when, done. When they go into spontaneous worship, you just start scribbling with the oh, marker. Yeah, <laughs> what do you put up on the screen when they're speaking in tongues? Is it literally just you just scribble on there and just sure. throw it up there and call it good? Cool. I like it. We're, we're on to something. <laughs> oh, boy. That does it for today's episode. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, hanging out with us and hopefully uh, learning something. If you if you learned anything, it was probably how not to be a youth pastor. That seems like it's yeah. pretty on brand. That's a, you know, 103 episodes in and we finally found a decent tagline to the end of the show. How about that? Uh, Hopefully you learned something. If anything, it was how not to be a youth pastor. Wow. Well done, Kyle. That's that's not bad. I think we're just done now. I think you deserve a raise. Um, I do. I'm going to double my salary from what I get from the podcast. So on behalf of Mars Incorporated, thank you to everybody. I think it's about time Derek and I go uh, eat the rest of this candy. Goodbye. Goodbye.